Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. So Brooklyn stunned the Sixers in Game 1, but Philly managed to bounce back in Game 2 with a convincing victory, but the health of Joel Embiid's knee is still in question. The Magic stunned the Raptors in Game 1 behind DJ Augustine's 25 points, including his cold-blooded clutch game-winning three, while on the other side, Kyle Lowry struggled for the Raptors, totaling zero points. He was the first All-Star to score zero points in a playoff game since Ray Allen did it in 2008 for Boston. Speaking of Boston, Boston turned up their defense in Game 1 and shut down the Pacers, winning that game 84-74. Milwaukee cruised past the Pistons without Blake Griffin, who's likely out for the entire series. San Antonio upset Denver in the Nuggets' first home playoff game in six years, despite Nikola Jokic's triple-double. Houston made a statement against Utah in Game 1, blowing them out by 32. The Blazers beat OKC in a nail-biter in Portland. However, Paul George's health is the big question moving forward. And finally, after a predictable Game 1 blowout for the defending champ Warriors, everything seemed to be going their way again in Game 2, until Lou Williams and the Clippers overcame a 31-point third-quarter deficit, completing the biggest comeback in NBA playoff history against Golden State at Oracle Arena, tying the series up at one game apiece. Man, I just love the playoffs. Now that you're all caught up, let's just get into the episode. What's up guys? Welcome back to Around the Arc. I'm Jamie and today we're going to be looking at a couple of things. First, we're going to dive into the top role players in the playoffs and then we're going to look at my complete NBA awards predictions. So MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player, all the awards. We're going to be going through all of them. So, lots to get into. Without any further ado, let's just jump right into the first topic. So, the NBA is a league of stars, and that doesn't change in the playoffs. All the focus and all the pressure comes down to the star players. But without amazing role players, no team really has a chance to win a title. So, what I want to do here was just go through who I think are the best role players in this year's playoffs. And we're going to start off with the point guard position with a guy who not many people saw coming this year, and that is Monte Morris for the Denver Nuggets. Now, I like him. He is, he's just an incredibly steady, reliable, and smart point guard off the bench for the Nuggets who will always make the right play, he'll always make the right decision, and he'll never force anything. And I think that is that is shown with his ridiculous 6-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio. For the regular season, he averaged 3.6 assists and only 0.6 turnovers. Now, that is ridiculous for a point guard who, you know, they have the ball in their hands, they're making the decisions. That is just... 
unbelievable. So he is he is definitely a guy that I would want on my playoff team, even though he's just a second year player, lacks experience. I think his poise is what gets him on this list. And then the other point guard I've got, Patrick Beverly. Kind of the the epitome of what a role player should be. Tough, hard-nosed, gritty. Uh, He's an absolute lockdown defender, an absolute pest on that end, and he is showing that in this first-round series against the Warriors, guarding Kevin Durant a lot of the time, and doing doing a pretty damn good job as well, holding him in Game 2 to just eight shot attempts. Eight shots for the best scorer in the NBA. Now, that is... That is an incredible defensive effort there. And not to mention, he's almost a foot shorter than KD as well, which just only helps his case for being one of the best role players in the entire NBA. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to mention, his trash talk as well. His trash talk is definitely a major factor in his game, and especially in this opening round series, as we're seeing managing, managing to bait Kevin Durant into that ejection in game one as well. So he he's my starting point guard on this sort of all-NBA role players team with Monte Morris as the backup. Moving on to the two-guard position. I felt I had to give him an honorable mention here to Marcus Smart. Now, I know he's, he's down with the injury, and that, that's a big blow to this Celtics team because he... He, much like Patrick Beverly, is the epitome of what a role player should be. He does all the little things that don't show up in the box score. You know, diving on loose balls, hustling, bringing that tough, hard-nosed, gritty energy to the game. You know, his, his lockdown defense as well, where he can he can legitimately guard four positions as well. Couple that with the fact that he greatly improved his outside shot this year, becoming more of a two-way threat. Um, I, I definitely feel that he deserved a shout and would definitely make this team if he were in fact healthy. But who I've got for the backup here, I've got Wesley Matthews for the Indiana Pacers, who is kind of a prototypical 3 and D 2 guard who just plays plays incredibly hard, brings incredible intensity, which is incredibly valuable in the playoffs, you know, playoff intensity. So he brings that on both ends of the court. And he's not just a spot-up three-point shooter. Like, he, he can he can post you up and he can score from inside the arc as well. And then the starter, the starting two-guard for this role-player team, I've got Danny Green for the Toronto Raptors. So... Not only is he one of the better perimeter defenders in the league, and he's got the size, he's got the size and strength uh, to sort of shut players down on the perimeter. Not only that, he is also one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He averaged a career high forty-five percent from three-point range this year, which is just a deadly mark and he should prove to be one of the more valuable pieces for this Raptors team if they hope to make a deep playoff run. Now, for small forward, I've got Mo Harkless of the Portland Trailblazers as the backup here. Harkless, much like the other guys on this list, he just he he is a star in his role. He understands his role, and 
he's he's great for this Portland team. You know, he'll hit an open three. You know, he won't he won't force anything on offense, and then on defense, he'll he'll bring most of his energy. You see, in this um in this first round series, he seems to be the primary defender on Paul George, and dis- and although although Paul George isn't a hundred percent with his shoulder, you saw in game one, Harkless really really played well on the defensive end against against pg holding to him i think he was three of 14 from three or 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 something like that um held him to a very inefficient game and that that speaks volumes of what he has been for this portland team all year really and then the starting small forward i've got joe ingles for the utah jazz who is acts as kind of a another playmaker, another ball handler, as well as uh, Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio. Um, He can initiate the offense. He's a great passer, great all-around player, tremendous shooter as well. He's efficient on the offensive end. And he's also an underrated defender as well. I think he's going to be key if Utah want to bounce back and make it a series against Houston as they're currently down 1-0. I just think he's he's a very good calming presence on that team now moving on to the power forward position i've i couldn't pick two out of out of these four guys here so i've just went i've just went with four here uh first off i've got pj tucker for the houston rockets you know you know what you know what you're gonna get from him you're gonna get the the gritty grind it out hard-nosed style of play you know defense oriented he's gonna bring that toughness on on the defensive end, the hustle, the rebounding. He's a very good rebounder, uh, given his size. He's only about six foot. I think he's about six seven, but he is a tremendous rebounder for his size, and that that's a testament to the energy and effort that he plays with. And then he's able to hit down the occasional corner three as well, which is which is very valuable for this for this Houston team. He plays off of Chris Paul and James Harden very well. So he's going to be a key piece to the Rockets if they hope to advance and maybe even challenge the Warriors in round two. And next up, I've got Jeremy Grant for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who again is a very good defender. That's that's been that's been why he's been in the NBA. He's been in the NBA for his defense. Uh, he's an incredible athlete, which can lead to him having some just jaw-dropping plays on the defensive end. And you saw that with his four blocked shots in Game 1 against the Blazers. He just had some incredible defensive plays. And he's no longer just an athlete. What's making him one of the more valuable role players in the league now is his expanded offensive game, his improved jump shot. He is now at least respectable from three-point range, which makes him and the Thunder all the more dangerous come playoff time. Next, I've got another Portland Trailblazer. Here I've got Al Farouk Aminu, who might just be the Blazers' best defender, who can legitimately guard four positions. And he is not he is not a one-way player. He he can he can give you some things on offense as well, particularly in the playoffs. Uh, one thing I've noticed with with Aminu is that his numbers go up across the board 
in the playoffs. So he's a real he's a real playoff performer. He rises to the occasion, and you know he's going to be there for you in big games and big moments. And finally, I've got Thaddeus Young for the Indiana Pacers, who is an essential kind of veteran presence on that team. Uh, he brings with him a lot of experience. Uh, despite not being the youngest guy, he is still he's still very athletic. He can run the floor. He can finish in transition. He can also hit the occasional three, the occasional outside shot, uh, which makes him kind of versatile offensive option. And then, thanks to his, uh, his athleticism and strength, makes him a very uh, serviceable, reliable defender as well. Now, moving on to the to the final position, the center position here. Now, first up, I know I know he is technically a power forward and he plays power forward for the Jazz, but I needed I needed another center, right? So, so don't blame me for that. I've got Derek Favors, another Utah Jazz player, who in the last few years has accepted a greatly reduced offensive role on this team, but he has taken that in stride and he has thrived in that in that role. Uh, being able to focus more of his energy on the defensive end where he has become he's one of the better low post defenders in the league and he's a solid rim protector as well. So he's he's very important, especially when Rudy Gobert's out the game on the defensive end. He's also a terrific rebounder, both on the offensive and defensive glass. And then on the offensive end, despite not having as big a role as he did a few years ago, he's still, I think, he's an underrated offensive player, you know, as well as being able to uh, bang down low with the other bigs and finish around the rim. He can also, he's got a solid 15-footer and he can hit the occasional corner three as well. So a very, a very versatile kind of do-it-all player for the Utah Jazz. And finally... I've got Brooke Lopez as the starting center for this all-NBA role players team, mainly thanks to how well he has accepted his role in this Milwaukee offense and how much he has helped it as a result. So he basically serves as a stretch five, a spot-up shooter on the offensive end. And while that is a greatly reduced offensive role to what he has been used to in the past, where he has kind of been the focal point of an offense, he has sacrificed and really played incredibly well in this role. And as a result, it's not just the effect that it's had on his game, it's the effect that he has had on this entire Bucks offense. He really opens up the floor, which allows Giannis to just attack the lane and get into the paint, which really breaks down defenses. And then this Bucks team, as well as Lopez, have a bunch of other shooters, which they can just surround Giannis with. And that is one of the main reasons why this Bucks team have had the best record in the league this year and have been so dominant. Lots of it thanks to, to Brooke Lopez's acceptance of this role. And then on defense, well, he's never been the most mobile um, defender. He's never been great at switching out onto the perimeter players. He is a solid rim protector as well, so he's not he's not a complete sieve on the defensive end. He can he can you know defend guys on the block and he can protect protect the paint. So he is incredibly valuable role player. 
And there, there we have it. That's that is my that's my all NBA role player team. Uh, you guys can let me know if you agree, disagree. If I missed anyone, uh, hop on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Around the Arc Pod. Would love to, love to hear your thoughts on this or any other NBA playoff topic. Now moving on to my award predictions for this NBA season. Now, like with most years, some of the awards there's a clear cut winner and not much competition but with other awards plenty of competition plenty of guys in with a shout of the award so what i'm going to do i'm going to start off with the most obvious award winners and then we'll get into the more interesting ones so starting off with rookie of the year i've got luka Doncic. i I think he's he's the clear-cut winner despite Despite Trey Young's explosion after the All-Star break, he did manage to close the gap and at least make it a little bit interesting. But from from the tip, from, from game one of the season, Doncic has established himself not only as the best rookie in this class, but he might be the best rookie that we've had since LeBron James. He has been that dominant before before Dallas made all the trades at the deadline and everything. I mean, the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks were were in playoff contention for for a good chunk of the season, and main reason for that was was Luka Doncic's all star all star caliber play. We we haven't seen a rookie dominate this much this early into his career, and not only that, there were so many unknowns. About him heading into the season, like people, uh, people were uh, kind of saying, "Oh, he's he's not going to be able to adjust to the NBA game right away. He's too young and experienced. He's not athletic enough." You know, so many question marks coming in. But he, he might he proved everyone everyone wrong. He believed that he he proved that he absolutely belonged in the league, and he is a superstar in the making and that's why i've got him for rookie of the year next up for six man of the year i think everyone's got this guy lou williams for the la clippers who will win his third sixth man of the year award tying jamal crawford for the most all time i mean this guy this guy's amazing he's a he is the definition of a professional scorer he averaged 20 points a game for the second straight season off the bench he also this year became the highest scoring bench player ever and probably the most impressive achievement he led the clippers to a surprise playoff berth after after la traded away their best player in tobias harris at the trade deadline everyone thought they were going to fall off everyone thought they were going to tank for the rest of the year but no thanks in large part to lou williams play off the bench they made it in as the eighth seed. And again, while everyone then wrote them off against the Warriors saying they weren't going to win a game, what did they do? They went and had the biggest playoff comeback in NBA history, overcoming a 31-point deficit. And who was the main man in that game for the Clippers? That's right, their sixth man, Lou Williams, who had 36 points and 11 assists off the bench. I mean, he is he is an offensive machine, and he is the dream sixth man 
the dream instant offense guy, the dream spark plug off the bench. He's just been incredible this year, and that's why he's got he's got my pick for six man of the year. All right, moving on now to most improved player. I thought this sort of, this came down to two guys. This one. It was either going to be D'Angelo Russell for the Brooklyn Nets or Pascal Siakam for the Toronto Raptors. And I've gone with Pascal Siakam here. Partially because in the in the past we've seen we've seen what Russell can do when healthy. We've seen him show flashes of stardom in previous years. And he before this year has been a starting point guard in the league. Now the the question from him was was consistency and could he put everything together and live up to his potential and he has more than done that this year, incredibly improved, taking nothing away from the incredible season he's had. But with Pascal Siakam, he was a flat out role player last year, kind of kind of an afterthought. He was look he was looking for a role on that on that Toronto team. And out of nowhere, he has blossomed into not only a starter, but a rising star on a championship-level team. He made the leap, an incredible leap at that, going from averaging about 8 points a game last year to averaging about 17 this year. And a lot of that has to do with his vastly improved jump shot right he shot 22 percent from three last year that's up to about 35 percent this year he's just made so many strides in every area of the game and he you can see now how much trust the raptors have put in this guy you see you see them going to him in in crunch time in the fourth quarter you you see them they let him handle the ball in crunch time situations just the confidence they've had in this guy and the confidence he now has in himself it's just such a leap that i th- i think he he has to be he has to be the front runner for for most improved now moving on to coach of the year there are there are quite a few candidates for this award this year. So you've got uh, guys like Mike Malone for the Denver Nuggets, Nick Nurse, the rookie head coach in Toronto, Doc Rivers, and the job he's done with the Clippers. But I'm I'm, I'm going I'm going for I guess you could say the more traditional choice in Mike Budenholzer for the Bucks as he coached them to the best record in the NBA. But it's not just that they got the best record; he totally transformed the Milwaukee Bucks offense from what it was a year ago. He's managed to get everyone on the team to buy into their role, especially I feel like I have to mention Brooke Lopez again. And the the job that Budenholzer has done with him, making him a stretch five and a shooter, which, like I said, totally opens up the lane for Yanis to attack. And not only has he got everyone to buy in, he's gotten... He's gotten the best out of guys like Eric Bledsoe, who's had kind of a bounce-back underrated season. He's got the best out of Chris Middleton, who has we've, we've found him to be the ideal second option next to Yanis, uh, kind of a second scorer for this team. And I know he's injured at the moment, but Malcolm Brogdon as well who, before he went down, was averaging about 16 points a game. 
and he was he was a member of the 50-40-90 club, that elusive club that very, very few players get get into. And, and he managed to do that in this offense as basically the fourth option, which is even more which is even more surprising and even more impressive when you consider, yeah, he was he was kind of behind Yanis, Middleton, and Bledsoe in terms of offensive focal points. And then I feel like I've got to mention Yanis as well. We all knew how dominant Yanis was and that he was going to at least be an MVP contention this year. But I feel like Budenholzer has managed to or build an offense around Yanis that allows him to thrive and play to his strengths and really just bring out the best version of him as well. And that's why I've got him as my as my coach of the year. He's managed to bring all of these all of these separate parts and he's managed to make them into the best team in the league this year. Now, for our second last award, Defensive Player of the Year. Again, few a few candidates here in with a shot. Um, guys like Rudy Gobert and Giannis. Giannis for the Bucks as well. I'm I'm going with Paul George. I feel like he he's been in contention in the past, and for years now he has been one of the premier perimeter defenders in the league. And I just feel like th- this was the year where he took the leap. And while he made the leap offensively, his defense did not suffer at all. He still guarded the best player on the opposing team. Uh, he took that challenge every single night. Uh, he led the league in steals and deflections. Like he has the most active hands in the league. And he was kind of the spearhead for this at times dominant Oklahoma City defense and that that that's 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 why I feel that he's he's the defensive player of the year in my eyes but again there were, there was a fair amount of competition in in that category so I wouldn't be surprised if someone else wins it that's that's just my pick and finally for MVP where it has come down to two guys either the beard James Harden or the Greek freak, Yanis Antetokounmpo. And this seems to have divided analysts and fans and players alike across the league. And this seems to be a pretty damn close race. But I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with Yanis for a few reasons. Uh, one, the Bucks have won more games than the Rockets. Another, Yanis has been at an MVP level since day one, whereas for Harden, it did take him a little bit of time, like a month or so, to properly get into get into his midseason form. But the biggie, the big reason why I have Yanis over Harden is Yanis's defense. He is a legitimate Defensive Player of the Year candidate and is worlds ahead of Harden on that end of the floor. Now, while Harden isn't isn't the the poor defender he was of years past when there were 15-minute compilation videos made of his defensive errors, he has come a long way since then, and he is at least a respectable defender, and when engaged on that end, he can defend, but he he's not a defensive player of the year candidate. He can't he can't legitimately guard five positions. He is not in the same league as Yanis on that end, and that is why that is that is the main reason I have Yanis over Harden. 
And then the, the main argument that people have in favor of Harden for MVP is just his ridiculous offensive numbers. And they'd be right, averaging 36 points a game, the most since Michael Jordan did it back in 1988. And actually, side note, if James Harden was playing in the 1962 season, which is the season where Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points a game, Harden would be averaging over 60 points in that year. So that 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 gives you a little indication as to the ridiculousness of how dominant James Harden has been on the offensive end. But you take Giannis's offensive numbers, if you have him playing the same number of minutes as James Harden does, here, here's what Yanis' numbers would look like. He would be putting up 31 points, 14 rebounds, and 6.5 and assists, along with about 1.5 steals and 1.5 and blocks. Those are historically dominant numbers. And the fact that he does it on both ends, on the best team in the league, I, j- I just feel like the MVP has to be, has to, has to be Yanis. Again, taking nothing away from Harden's insane year that he's had but I just think that Yanis is the more well-rounded and just by a slight hair the better option so there we have it guys uh like I said earlier if you if if you want to to get in touch give me your thoughts or just just join the join the NBA discussion and debates, then feel free to to find me on Twitter at Around the Arc Pod. I'm on there on there every day talking NBA. It'd be great to see you on there. As well as that, if you're enjoying if you're enjoying the podcast, it'd be it'd be really cool if you could leave a little five star review on iTunes or Google or wherever you're listening to this. It really does help the show. And other than that, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode today and we'll see you back here again next week where we'll dive into more NBA stories. Cool. See you then.